Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Alrighty. Welcome back to the Macho Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner. And I hope you had a good week. Turn quarter to the seat again. And it's very too loud. And um, busy working. Did about twelve hours of um, overtime last week, and I had a lot work. Some more overtime this week, Saturday. Because in a month, and we're always busy for some reason. I don't know why. It's like getting a couple weeks at the end of the month. Before the beginning of the month, I guess. I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway. Um, this is a take two of Courtney's episode. Because um, I messed up. And uh, was talking, and nothing was being recorded. Okay, I speak a little louder. Okay, um, I think happening. Oh, with me? No, not really. Actually, no, that's not true. I haven't gotten to his Facebook group for Anchor podcasters and it's been pretty awesome and pretty helpful answering questions I've talked to some very cool people say hi to them I've uh, found some pretty cool podcasts I've been listening to at work lately like um there's one by uh, this married couple they like talk about this uh Hulu show um about the what we talk about, what we do in the shadows. Who's on the show's called? Other, yeah, yeah. What we do in the shadows. Yeah, it's called um, what we talk about in the shadows. It's really good. They have like one episode out. And it's really good, and it's and their d- dynamics of like being a couple like really help. It's really good. I want to hear more from this podcast. They're on Anchor. It's great. Hope they make more episodes. And there's uh, the Screaming Choi show. It's, man, this show's, I've been like binge watching this crap for like all week. It's, it's, it's like a really funny and really interesting show. And like he, uh, his like episode on metal, his history of metal, was really, really good. I recommend that and this story about the shadow people is really good too and what he does is like every episode or most of the episodes he like plays some like melodies like it's awesome 
It's a shit. It's really hilarious and really entertaining. I think he could ha- possibly do some really cool live shows if he can get uh, a gig. That's uh, he's on YouTube too. If you want to look him up on YouTube. Oh. To have them on here, I can have them all in here, really. And there's um, it's the Screaming Choi Show on Anchor. Uh, other uh, podcasts I've really enjoyed has been the Believe Me Spirit Stories and Paranormal Tales by Molly Caston. She's really good. She's really she's a. I can see her podcast like blowing up. I can see her doing like. She's writing a book right now, and I can see it like selling like being New York's top seller list. It's super duper interesting. Her podcast and her, uh, the way she's like. She's so intriguing, and entertaining and thrilling. How she tells, how she tells the stories and stuff. Anyway, that's um, believe me, spirit stories and paranormal tales by Molly Ganson on Anchor. Call an app or your browser, whatever. And I'm sure you can, if you don't use Anchor, you can find links to different platforms from there. Yeah. Right, let's go over it again. Second, second time I'm going through this. Uh, Louisiana sits above. Yeah, we're in Louisiana, by the way. The Bayou State, Cajun. Got some New Orleans Jazz, Mardi Gras. Uncle Ben's Rice. Is that from New Orleans? I don't know. But Jazz. Love Jazz. It's great. Uh, Louisiana sits above the Gulf of Mexico at the mouth of the Mississippi River, bordered by Arkansas to the north, Mississippi to the east, and Texas to the west. Originally colonized by the French during the 18th century, it became U.S. territory as part of the historic Louisiana Purchase in 1803 and was admitted to the Union in 1812. Louisiana's capital city is Baton Rouge. It is also home to the historic port city, New Orleans, which is famous for its unique cuisine, jazz, and spectacular Mardi Gras festival. Louisiana became a state on April 30th, 1812. Did you know some natives of Louisiana consider themselves Cajun or Creole? Cajun refers to a cross-cultural mix of several ethnic groups, including French, Creole, Spanish, German and Anglo-American. The word Creole comes from the Spanish word Creole, spelled C-R-I-O-L-L-O, which means one from the colony. The capital of Louisiana is Baton Rouge. The population is 4,533,372. The size of Louisiana is 51,988 square miles. 
the names for Louisiana is the Pelican State Sportsman Paradise. The state motto is Union, Justice, Confidence. The state tree is the Ball of Cyphers. The state flower is the Magnolia. The state bird is the Eastern Brown Pelican. In 1803, Thomas Jefferson doubled the size of the United States by purchasing the Louisiana Territory. 820,000 square miles of land between the Mississippi River and the Rocky Mountains. From France, Louisiana was the first of 13 states or parts of states to be carved out of the territory in 1812. Due to slow communications, the Battle of New Orleans was fought two weeks after the Treaty of Ghent was signed on December 24, 1814, ending the War of 1812 between the United States and Great Britain. General Andrew Jackson, who led between 6,000 and 7,000 troops to victory, emerged from the battle a national hero. At 34 stories high and 450 feet tall, the Louisiana State Capitol is the tallest of all state capitol buildings. On September 8, 1935, Senator Huey Long, who had been instrumental in convincing the public to construct the new building in 1935, was assassinated in one of its corridors. Louisiana is home to a wide diversity of cultures. Two prominent ethnic groups are Cajuns, descendants of a French-speaking group of Acadians from Canada, and Creoles, people from a mixed French, Spanish, Caribbean, African, or Indian background. Hurricane Katrina hit landfall in southeastern Louisiana on August 29, 2005, as a Category of 3 storm, the most destructive national disaster in U.S. history. It resulted in more than 1,800 deaths, over 1,500 of which were in Louisiana, and close to 100 billion in damages. Wow. Speaking of, speaking of hurricanes, let me change this up a bit, like I did before. Uh... It was a big old hurt a hurricane back in 1856. Let's read about it. Close to with a creature of the Finney tribe, Louisiana Sea Monster Signs of 1836 by Carl A. Brasso and H. Nickerson Jose. Americans' fascination with tales of the bizarre and unknown is by no means a new phenomenon. Throughout the antebellum period, sea periods, sea serpent tales generate the same degree of interest in American newspaper readers that UFO, Sasquatch, and Yeti stories presently command, and popular interest in sea serpent has endured largely because of periodic sightings and international fascination with the search. for the Loch Ness Monster. In recent years, several d- documentaries, books, and popular articles have chronicled a search for Nessie and other less newsworthy but equally mysterious sea creatures report throughout the world. The June 1991 issue of the National Fisherman, for example, features one such article on late 20th century American sea monster sightings. 
Widespread American interest in sea surface science is generally believed to have begun in 1817, when approximately 300 reptile residents of coastal Massachusetts villages claimed to have seen a dark brown, smooth-skinned creature which moved by means of vertical undulations of its 60-foot-long serpentine body. Many additional sightings of the Glosher Sea Serpent, as it closely quickly became to be known, were made near Glosher during the next two years, and additional reports were made in New England and in Maritime Canada as late as 1840. While the Glosher Sea Serpent became a virtual cause caliber of American science and provided material for transatlantic debate, reports of strange sea creatures began to surface in other maritime regions. The first were in the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea, and later in the South Atlantic from the early 1830s through the 1850s. A remarkable variety of animals were described in antebellum sea serpent tales. Most of these creatures are readily identifiable as giant squid, basking sharks, oarfish, manatee, manta rays, mumbulas, whale sharks, and other well-known maritime fauna. But as with contemporary UFO stories, a sufficient number of unexplainable reports surface to keep alive popular interest in and popular controversy over sea serpent stories. Popular skepticism was initially aroused by the first major American inquiry into science of the serpent mysterious sea creatures, knowing all but one of the numerous eyewitness accounts of the 1817 Massachusetts sea serpent sightings collected by its hand-picked representatives, the Linnean Society of New England identified the creature as an enormous black snake basing its conclusions on a tall tale spun by a person known to be devious, of devious reliability. Not surprisingly, the Linnean Society's findings were soon dismissed as complete unfounded by leading European zoologists. Therefore, the Society and its attempt to identify the creature in quizotactical fashion became the first subject of ridicule on both sides of the Atlantic. The gullibility of the Linnean Society, the inability of curiosity seekers to capture or kill a young specimen of the sea serpent, the monster's ability to repel boats and the almost incessant public feuding of natural, naturalists and ecologists over the probable identity of the frequently sighted beast quickly disillusioned the man on the street. According to one scholar on the public, preferred to, to, to disbelieve the whole thing. Popular apathy, however, is no way impeded either the ongoing scientific debate over the possible existence and identity of the sea serpent or the journalistic coverage of the debate and the recurring science all continued unabated. Intensifying the smoldering controversy surrounding sea serpent science were numerous hoaxes perpetrated by individuals inside and outside of the American scientific community. In New York in 1845, Dr. Albert Carl Koch displayed for public viewing what he claimed to be a carefully reconstructed, fully intact skeleton of a sea serpent. The 114-long serpentine skeleton possessed front flippers, a long erect neck, a large head, long jaws, and fierce-looking teeth and the characteristic vertical undulations of the spine. The skeleton shown to thousands of New York and London curiosity seekers 
a cost of 25 cents per head was demonstrated upon examination by reptile zoologists to be a cunning hoax. And it consisted of bones from various species, including the fossilized remains of a prehistoric whale. The hoax elicited a storm of a criticism from the scientific community, and a sea serpent following consequently fell into a state of scholarly and popular disrepute. Then in 1848, several officers and sailors aboard the HMS Dautilus reported the term of their military career a sea serpent sighting in the South Atlantic. The report of the Dautilus officers temporarily stemmed the rising tide of scholarly and popular skepticism and reunited the long-standing controversy. Come, come, ah, come, uh, what the fuck? Commentantly, a public interest fueled by the controversy and under sightings rose above the course of the following decade. It's at this juncture, Louisiana experienced the first court for a sighting, reported in and the news article set out below. A huge fish. Miss Marshall, Oregon, gives us the following scriptures of a monster of a finny tribe, lightly killed by him off the mouth of the forge and break us. The length of the body, from point of nose to tail, 14 feet. Length of tail, 6 foot. String width on the back, 12 foot. Thickness from top of the back to bottom belly, Seven foot with a mouth three foot six inches with horns on either side three feet long cavity of brain nine by sixteen inches. This huge monster when kills lions mouth open catching small fish which is supposed to be success. It was shot through the head and this is about five paces and immediately sunk to the bottom. It was then fastened to and towed into shore where it was dissected for the purpose of being converted to oil. By storm arising, the captain was forced to abandon the project and fly for safety. Its liver was the size of a rice cask. The exterior of this fish was covered with a skin resembling more than an elephant than anything else to which we can compare it to. Mr. Ogigan is a seafaring man and says he has never before seen a fish of this description in our waters. What kind of fish is it and where did it come from? Let's hear from you, naturalist from the Theobald Minerva. We have not doubt, but this is veritable devilfish so common ashores of our southern Atlantic states. Not for, for its devilish pranks, its boats, anchors, etc. There is a book somewhere entitled, we believe, Devil Fishing on the Coast of Carolinas. If you find it, 
Miss Minerva, you may be thoroughly enlightened. Eh, serious. We all know real life can suck sometimes, and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on Zoom last week doesn't help any. That's why reluctantly codependent sisters, the Shira and Rashalia, keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast, Legendary Africa. Every Monday and Friday, we take you on a journey of mythical lands, magical objects, and monstrous creatures, both ancient and modern. Find Legendary Africa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you feed your ears. And remember, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. There is circumstantial, circumstantial evidence that sightings described above resulted at least in part from two major hurricanes in eastern Goat. In the eastern Gulf of Mexico during the late summer and fall of 1856. The first and most famous of these storms was the so called Last Island Storm of April 9th through 10th of 1856. It apparently formed in the extreme southeastern coast, Gulf, eastern Gulf of Mexico during between, sometime between July 31st and August 8th and subsequently moved steadily towards the northwest. A storm veered due west. And gained speed at the approach to the Alabama coastline on Saturday, August 9th, st- striking a glancing blow at Mobile. The hurricane moved directly toward the mouth of the Mississippi River, then turned westward following the Louisiana coastline as far as Franklin, before turning north toward Vermilionville. After ravaging south central Louisiana, it turned to the northeast, causing considerable damage at Bayou Sarah, then veered northward and struck. Natchez, Mississippi, and New Carthage, Louisiana. A storm characterized by eyewitnesses along the Louisiana coast as the most powerful hurricane in living memory caused extensive property damage throughout the lower Mississippi Valley. Nowhere was the storm's fury felt more forcefully than the last island resort off the coast of Terrebonne Parish. These there during the afternoon of August 9th, northern gales indicated the result with water from Lake Pelto, a coastal estuary north of the barrier island. Then, following a reversal of wind directions marking the storm's westerly passage, the island was submerged beneath a massive tidal surge. That surge carried many of the approximately 140 human victims at least 60 miles inland. Storms south wind waves continued to pound the island well into the following day. The destructive effect of the wind and surf were not combined to the last area. Indeed, the storm fury was felt less uh, intensely at the nearby mouth of Bayola Forge, where Marathon Oregon's mysterious creature would later be found. Coastal Louisiana hardly began to recover from the last island storm when a second major hurricane of nearly equal destructive power approached the Gulf Coast. This storm, known as the South Eastern State Hurricane of 1856, formed 
east of Cuba, sometimes poor anchor 20 cents. Storm into the Gulf of Mexico via Florida Straits on the 20th, 7th, and 28th, inflicting several wind damage on Cuba west and south in Cuba. It appears to have meandered throughout the eastern coast on the 28th, 29th, before making landfall at Panama City. Florida on the 13th. On the 29th, the storm was officially close to Pelican State and damaged numerous seagoing vessels along the southeastern Louisiana coast. The heavy seas it generated, like the tidal action, sustained by its more frames predator, and only had an impact upon the Louisiana coastline. Hurricanes, such as the powerful 1856 storms, have a marked effect on those waters, lying. in the course. While there's no proof that the animal was hurricane transported, the fact that the local fishermen uh, the fact that local fishermen were unfamiliar with it, just that it was Though normally occurring offshore waters, manta rays have been uh, reported near the mouth of the Mississippi River. They are often seen close shore in southern Texas and Florida, where clear, warm, oceanic type waters. Uh, are present near the coastline. The few accounts exist. Demonstrating such phenomena in Louisiana, horizontal vegetative movements are aircraft features of hurricanes. A group of rare Clementine porpoises, normally inhabiting oceanic waters, were stranded near point up for at the hurricane Juan in, 18, in 1985. Several movements of fishes, including introductions of unusual varieties, We're noted for after storms in Florida and Texas. The storms tracked to the south and west of the Delta would have put the area in its northeast quadrant where winds would have an east, easterly, easily explained movements from off the river to La Forge, a distance of about 40 miles. While water temperatures of the seas would be depressed, there was stability around 70 degrees. There was undoubtedly a similar movement of water and fauna during the last island hurricane. Any of these storms induced change could have attributed directly to the presence of the ski creature to the Minerva Arc. So basically, a storm, a hurricane, turn up the water. It's uh, good for the animals that live out way out in the ocean to go. what they're saying okay it's hardly surprising that the counter the sea monster was ported by both the 
Durbo Nervosaurus newspapers that had Jerusalem exhibit the most interest in maritime affairs among Louisiana's rural antebellum weeklies. Though the editors, political, political, and economic rivals, could be for the region's tiny potential readership, differed personally in many respects and shared a common interest in natural history and natural science, as seen perhaps most clearly in the Cossack postscript added by a serious editor. A serious edit power of deduction was indeed formidable, for only two creatures in the animal kingdom conceivably fit the detailed descriptions furnished by the third bow, remember one of them being the devilfish, or giant devilry. As is more critically known, while sharing a distinctive detail to its shape and tail of the other Atlantic race, the giant devil rays, which attains a maximum breadth of over 21 feet between pectoral fin tips, have one distinctive feature twin symbolic fins resembling horns. Located on the opposite ends of the creature's mouth, directly in front of the rays' side mounted eyes, the small cephalic fins aid the fish in steering and also push food into the rays' mouths automatically attracting towards the orifices whenever coming into contact with any object. Once attracted, the fins remain taunt until the object is consumed. It is in this manner, as suggested by the editor of the series, that giant devil rays occasionally became entangled in anchor chains. Giant devil rays may exhibit shoal waters, may inhabit, sorry, not exhibit, Shoal waters within a few miles of the mainland, but in the shores of the Gulf of Mexico, they generally occur offshore in clear, more tropical waters, away from the muddy discharge of the Mississippi River. While these creatures may be found at various depths, they frequently surface to bass and to feed by swimming open mouth throughout whatever schools of small fish or platonic cretacean they meet. Planktonic, whatever. These spell chickens are oracle, man. Uh, while visible along the surface, these rays are usually unaggressive towards humans and have probably been so unwary that it is easy to approach one closely in a small boat. They are sometimes haunted, haunted in tropical regions for their livers, which, as in case of the creature in the Minerva article, are boiled into oil and their skin, which is used as a primitive abrasive. While many of the giant devil rays features resemble those of the giant creature killed by marital organ, some important characteristics such as the elephantine skin do not. The skin of a giant devil ray is covered with small tubercles and has texture more represent of sandpaper than of elephant skin. However, it is unlikely that anyone who saw the creature has ever seen an elephant thus would hardly have known what an elephant, elephant's hide was like. Also, while it's, it is possible that the 1856 storm caused a temporary incursion of the so-called blue-clear water from the deep regions of the Gulf, large rays were rarely seen close, so close to the coast. But November, by November, the 1856 storm surge had long since passed, and other lingering effects of the August storm had drastically abated. It is thus by no means certain that the necessary blue water conditions existed near the mouth of Bayou La Forge three months later.
The identity of the creature killed by Oregon occasionally remains uncertain. It is probably was a giant Del Rey, but elephant skin and thick body suggest the possibility of a West Indian manatee, more commonly known as a sea cow. In the 19th and 20th centuries, individual manatees have migrated periodically from the natural habitat in South Florida to coastal Louisiana. Like the beast killed in the breakers near the mouth of Bio the Forge, they are covered with a thick, wrinkled skin resembling that of an elephant's. Table 1 shows the quantitative features mentioned in the article compared to that of the study specimens of manta rays and manatees. While the body of the LaForge monster is too long for its breadth and too thick in comparison with the manta ray, the other members are constant, consistent with four known lengths. Since the storm intruded preventing uh, retrieval of the specimen, the measurements would have been estimates made during trying conditions. Thickness, often variable, might have been the most difficult parameter to determine. Length appears half again too long for a ray, but would have been even more extreme for a manatee. Elephant skin is a better description from a manatee, while a poor choice still might describe the manta. Manta do not feed on fishes, as noted for the monster, while manatees are well-established vegetarians. In the unlikely event that the animal killed by marital Marital Oregon was uh, indeed a manatee, this, then this would constitute the first documented sightings of a sea cow in Louisiana. G.H. H. Lowry Jr., author of the most comprehensive listing of Louisiana manatee sightings presently available and indicates the first known encounter occurred in January 1929 when a sea cow was captured in Kalzuku Lake. Another manatee was spotted in Zebine Lake in 1941. Several other manatees were sighted in southern Louisiana during the 1970s in the Mississippi River at Norco, April 8, 1975, in the swamps near Morgan City, July 10, 1976, and in the Gulf of Mexico, 12 miles west of Brenton Island, July 4, 1979. Most, if not all, of these migrating herbivores died in Louisiana's coastal waters. Victims of the Pelican State's winters, which are sufficiently cold to kill the aquatic flora that sustained them. Too weak to turn to Florida, these gentle creatures slowly die of anorexia and probable cold stress. Such seems to have been the fate of the 1856 sea monster. The dying creature could also have been injured by the 1856 hurricane. Massive tile storage and festering wounds exposed to portions of the skull could possibly account for the horns mentioned in Oregon's descriptions. Of the animal, such as such an injury, could conceivably have presented a manatee from retiring to the protected waters of the bayou. Such physical aberrations as horns, however, are more characteristic of the features of the devil or giant rays, as are the dimensions of the back and spine. But not all those giant rays' physical features match those provided in Oregon's account. Some characteristics, such as the depth and skin texture of the creature, were closely matched those of the manatee. Positive identification of the creature is therefore impossible. Unfortunately for historians and naturalists, a true identity of Louisiana's first sea monster may never be known. Well, yeah, well. Okay. Stretch. Stretch. Okay. My words. Excellent.
Crunch. Yes, it Crunch. Where it is. There's a bullet. That's a badass. Man to eat. Not man to eat. Man to eat. Good man. Like a burger. With tacos. Yeah. Hot sauce. Alright, Gruntro Monster is an alleged Chupacabra sightings in New York, in New Orleans. The Grunch is described to be an elaborate cross between the canid and reptilian Chupacabras. New Orleans residents have so named the creature the Grunch. But sightings and tales, unlike its cousins, seem to go back farther in Louisiana history than other areas of the world. Gun story supposedly goes back to the Crescent City's early roots. New Orleans was founded August 25th, 1718, by the French Mississippi Company under the direction of Jean Baptiste Lamoyon de Beville. It was named for Philip II, Duke of Orleans. Who was a regent of France at the time? His title came from the French city of New Orleans. The French colony was ceded to the Spanish Empire in the Treaty of Paris, 1763, and remained under Spanish control until 1801. When it reverted to French control, most of the surviving architecture of the Vieux-Curé French Quarter dates from the Spanish period. Napoleon sold the terror, sold the territory to the United States and Louisiana Purchase in 1803. The group the city grew rapidly with influxes of Americans, French, and Creole French. Major commodity crops of sugar and cotton were cultivated with slave labor on large plantations outside the city. Earliest reports of the creature are said by locals to call date to this period. As a principal port, New Orleans had the major role of any city during the antebellum era in the slave trade. It is poor handled huge quantities of goods for export. Export from the interior and import from other countries to be traded up the Mississippi River. The river was filled with steamboats, flatboats, and sailing ships. At the same time, it had the most prosperous community of free persons of color in the South, many of whom. Um, Many old stories from people's families were around a time passed from oral traditions down to us concerning the grunge. Legend has it that the grunge dates back to the days of New Orleans, early settlements, and its name crunch comes from the name of a road. The southern cryptid has also become the 
has also been called the vampire of Rabo Marigi and Bywater area dating back to the early 1800s. Legend of Mary Levu tells of how some believe that this form of Chupacabra came into existence. An old voodoo, voodoo story says Mary Levu castrated a devil baby when he was born to stop him producing more of his evil kind. The bloody testicles allegedly turned into a male and female grunge upon falling to the floor, whereupon they attacked the great voodoo queen, Mary Levu. The grunts are said to have almost have killed her with her fierce bites and punching. The terror the old voodoo queen felt must have been unbearable as he struggled under the great strength before which she fainted. When she awoke, the grunts and the devil baby were gone. Levu was near death at this, after this, and many have said that this is when Mary Levu gave up on her voodoo hoodoo ways and went back to being a good Catholic woman. Uh, also see the devil baby at Haunted America Tours. New Orleans grunts have many strange powers. Many, I believe, stories about them come from the fact that the New Orleans Chupacabra is more visible than other areas, as that itself more to its surroundings, unlike its Texas, Mississippi, and Floridian relatives. The most common description of the New Orleans grunch or El Chupacabra. Chupacabra, Chupacabra uh, is a goat-like being, appearing to have leathery or scaly black gray skin and sharp spines with long horns or quills running down its back. The creature stands approximately 3 to 14 feet or 1 to 1.2 meters high. They're also said to seem more intelligent and have human-like skills, able to open doors, use tools similar to how a monkey or a primate would. It is said to howl like a wolf scream like a banshee, or bellow and screech like an ape when alarmed, as well as leave a strong stench. Many reports note that Chupacabra's eyes glow an unusual red, orange, or blue-green. Some witnesses have reported seeing bat-like wings and a tail, or long fur and goat-like markings in gray on a silky black coat. Unlike conventional Louisiana swamp predators, the breed of Chupacabra is said to drain all of the animals' blood and sometimes organs through a single hole. The legend of Grunch Road reveals some people claim it was in Chalamet, Louisiana, while others claimed it was in Gently or Metairie, but the real Grunch Road was located in a remote part of eastern New Orleans, near the community of Little Woods. Most people only ever encountered Grunch Road by accident. A dead end of scant shells and sand sheltered by overgrown woods and great tall water oaks. It led to the ferny darkness of the major two-lane highway of Hayne Boulevard from ghastly goat people and several ghosts of who only knows what. Stories of floating lights and strange cries in the night continue to this day. Photos of a creature alleged to be the Grunch have surfaced over recent years, keeping the legend of the Grunch Road alive to this day. Although evidence for the Grunch Road being haunted by the beast is anecdotal, it is interesting to find an old tale that has its reflections in the more recent sighting. A. Harvey, Louisiana's lady, said she saw one eating one of her neighbor's dogs. Also, sanitation workers tell of seeing them 
raid the garbage cans, or chase garbage trucks along New Orleans East Haynes Boulevard and Crunch Road area. The Crunch or uh, El Chupacabra is uh, said to haunt many areas in New Orleans and surrounding parishes like View, Melturi, Chalamet, Harvey, Terrytown, Slidell, Covington, and Perdiz. All these cities residents, residents have a grunt story or two to tell. They are said to live in the darkest parts of the New Orleans City Park golf course and have been seen running in the tall grass and along the Louis Australian Main National Battlefield in the Perdiz, Louis, and Bote, Louisiana area. Many say late at night you can see them running across Highway 90 looking for something or someone to eat. Like few residents nowadays tell us how they longer leave their pets in the yard since Hurricane Katrina, as so many grunts were displaced into the neighborhood. In my Harvard, Louisiana home, many people tell of seeing them knocking over trash cans and chasing cats to drink their blood. People at first thought they were rabbit or mangy hairless raccoons. Nice. Next up, got the Bigfoot of Louisiana. The Honey Island Swamp Monster is a humanoid cryptid that is reported to have been seen in and around Honey Island Swamp, Louisiana since 1963. It was first reported in 1963. When two hunters spotted the creature prowling the swamps, the tracks indicated three-toed webbed feet. It's possible that Bigfoot evolves webbed feet to better suit its environment. Some of you believe it's an experiment gone awry. The creature was also featured on an episode of Lost Tapes, where it attacked a hunter who ultimately survived the attack. It's also featured in Cryptids, the Swamp Beast. The monster was first sighted in 1963 when Harlan Ford and his friend Billy Mills were searching for an abandoned cabin. Spotted by Ford in a plane deep in the Honey Island Swamp, the friends reached a clearing where they spotted the creature, who kept eye contact with him only for a moment before escaping to the underbrush. Describing the creature, Ford said the following, It was nothing like I have ever seen before, ugly and sinister and looking like something out of a horror movie. In 1974, Ford and Mills returned to the area of, on a duck hunting trip. The two found several dead boars with throats torn out along the way. Realizing the boars were too far from the water to have been killed by alligators, yeah, they uh, began to suspect the monsters they encountered nine years prior was involved. Suspicion was confirmed when they noticed footprints, three-toed and webbed around one of the boars. Other than have a second run in with the swamp monsters, Ford and Mills retreated from Huntley Island Swamp at a fast pace. Later that night, the friends returned to make a cast of the footprints. Other another man named Ted Williams claimed to have seen the creature many times. He even believes there to be multiple swamp monsters. I could have killed them, Williams said, but I didn't because they don't seem to want to harm me. One day, Ted took his boat in the swamp and set 
trout lines. He was never seen again. Standing over 7 point feet tall and weighing between 4 to 500 plus pounds, the Honey Island Swap Monster, also known as, as the Louisiana Wookiee, is said to be covered in a thick coat of matted gray or brown hair and swamp weed. Its yellow eyes are seemingly are its yellow eyes are seemingly reptilian, and the smell it emits has been called a stench of death. The primitive creature has long been blamed for the death of livestock and the mysterious disappearance of children in adjacent areas. Popular lore in the region that the, is that the Honey Island Swamp Monster might be the horrifying product of a union between a chimpanzee and alligator, and darkly primordial swamplands. That must look much the same now as did thousands of, thousands of years ago. The existence of almost any creature seems impossible, no matter how ominous. While the strange, strangest legends surrounding the Honey Island Swap Monster revolves around a train wreck, which originally occurred during, uh, near the Pearl River in the early part of the 20th century. According to this legend, the train was full of exotic animals from a traveling circus fled into the swamps after train derailed. While most of the creatures would soon perish in the harsh swampland, the legend goes on to tell us that a troop of chimpanzees managed to survive even went as far as to interbreed with alligators. The result was a strange colony of reptilian-like mammals. However, that isn't, this is impossible because monkeys and alligators cannot interbreed. Tony Island's swamp monster is allegedly to have a foul stench as other creatures, especially in the hairy hominids category, Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Missouri Monster, etc., possibly due to its marsh's natural smell. Uh, swamp creature and animal plants lost taste was most likely the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which attacked the professor, her nephew, and Bud Ray at night after the nephew broke its eggs. Oh, it lays eggs? What's crazy? What the hell? It's goddamn million. That's what it is. Okay, I have, dude. I okay. I saw um this week. With like I you know Christmas Carol with uh, Charles Dickens and uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, and he visits. Is he visited by the three ghosts, Christmas of Christmas past, present, future. Right. Okay. Here's my thing. I'm thought. Well, the ghosts are like aliens, right? And you got visited by aliens. And you got. As I went back in time. That's why. And like this. Ooh. Think about it. Think about. It. I don't know. How really cool tape. Oh, is there a movie about that? That's like ghosts that the aliens visit them. So I'm do that. If anyone from Hollywood hears this, I want to see that. Please. Alright, we're getting down to the last monster. Cha 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 cha! Yeah. Make sure I'm still recording. Yep. Still recording. The full moon hangs high over the Louisiana swamp land. 
the bright lights of the stars flicker and the murky licks of the waves near the towering ominous cypress trees. Frogs croak their songs in the distance and mosquitoes buzz as they fly around looking for their next meal. There's a howl in the distance. It sounds like a wolf. Something's a little off. Something. Standing on two legs on top of a fallen, moss-covered tree, it's a large, snarling beast. Throws his head back, letting out a blood curling howl to the moon. There's no that's no werewolf, though. That's what we in Louisiana call the Rugaroo. Cheer. We're traveling down the interstate on the back roads, Louisiana. You'll see lots of beautiful scenery. Remnants of history freckle the map. Whether it's old and potentially haunted buildings, abandoned theme parks, or even Museums with very strange collections. Back in the thick covered, covered, ah, back in the thick fog covered swamp lands where you will find the true beauty of Vienna, perhaps even a monster or two, including the legendary beast called the Rigoro. History of the Rigoro is centuries old and has many different origins. The earliest mentioned the infamous mystical Louisiana world comes from medieval France. Back in the day of armor, swords, and jousting, there was a lot more to fear than the plague and witches. Beasts called Lugos, which means werewolves in French, were also infamous throughout the country. Each in the uh, back in the 16th century. They regularly blame various crimes on Lou Guru. Apparently, there's a thing. They did back then. Did you hear your horse housegate ransacked during the night? Lou Guru. Did a child disappear from village without a trace? Definitely on Lou Guru. Personally, I never hear about something terrible and say, yep, that's definitely the work of a werewolf. Case closed. That's what was an interesting problem they had to deal with centuries ago. Makes that morning commute not seem so bad, right? Villagers could capture people they believed to be a Luguru and then hold back a public trial. Uh, usually they found someone in the woods or someone in the village who was just acting strange. The court would ask the public if they believed the cows to be Luguru, and usually the public agreed, mainly for fear to be added as a witch or a Luguru themselves. These Lugurus became a fear for many people in the country, leading them to earn their place in the legend passed down to children. The French Catholics claimed that they, they would 
be turned into Luguru if you did not follow the rules of Lent for seven consecutive years. There's also a story that was told for the kids that if they didn't do what their parents asked, a Luguru would come and steal them away in the middle of the night. While many of the French migrated to Canada and the southern United States, they took the legend of the Luguru with them. With the migration of the many legends began to change to match the times and dialects since Cajun dialect is a mix of French and English and well known for changing words completely to roll off the tongue easier, the name of the beast changed from Luguru to Ruguru, also spelled R-U-X-G-A, R-U-X, R-U-G-A, R-O-O, or U. R U J R U. In the swamps and swamps within the greater New Orleans area, in Acadia, is where the beast has come to live. He might even be the neighbor with the Honey Island Swamp Monster, which is Leanne's Bigfoot Swamp. Cajun legend says that the beast hunts down Catholics who don't follow the rules of Lent, which is similar to telling old French stories. Another telling the story says that Roguru is under a 101 day curse, unless the affected person can transfer the curse to another human being. The curse usually comes from a local witch, sometimes a voodoo priestess. It is said uh, that you can protect yourself against the Roguru by laying 13 small objects by your doors. Apparently, when a person changes to Ruguru, they forget how to count past 12, probably since they only were about midnight and the moon at this point. Ooh. Okay. Ruguru will set, see the 13 objects, try to count them, and be unable to count them all. This will perplex it, and then it will continue keep counting the sun. Some. You're counting until the sun comes up, and it must flee. I'm not making this up. Despite the fact it was originally a legend, there are still claimed signs of Ruguru to this day, though it has died off a bit in the past decade. The beast is also hit pop culture in Louisiana. There's an annual Ruguru festival in Herma every year, and Audubon Zoo in Orleans has a Ruguru exhibit, which includes a statue of the creature in all its swampy glory. The New Orleans Pelicans had originally thought about changing their names from the Hornets to the Rugaroos at one point. Have you ever, have you even heard of Rugaroo or another scary Louisiana monster before? Let us know in the comments below. Ah, my great grandfather told a story of being chased by Rugaroo while driving his horse and wagon on Bayou, Blue Road, just out of Herma. He said it's a big hairy beast and it scared him badly. It definitely scared us as a sentence and we used to speculate on who it could have been that was under the Ruguru curse. I believe most of us told our children and grandchildren the same story as passed on our family history. Uh, I seen one when I was a young girl in central Louisiana. Around 5 in the morning, it came inside my grandfather's house and stood in the hallway. It, its eyes reflected white and it was about 7 feet tall. As soon as I laid an eye on it, I ran to wake up my grandpa and we came to investigate. The matter door was wide open. So that's fucking scary. Great story. Thanks for hosting. Uh,
spot the Ruger legend similarly beginning as a way to scare Catholics and children. Many locals maintain its distance and have their own personal stories, especially among the older generation. A story in the Daily Comic Dial Tales of the Ruger some hot local memories, states that. In the past, rumors about strange or eccentric neighbors would float through small bayou communities, labeling various people as the dreaded Ruguru. This suggests an explanation for the abundance of stories from locals about seeing a Ruguru for themselves. A stories in the Nicholsworth, a local college paper named Ruguru remains a strong figure in Cajun folklore, recounts a story from a woman about an experience in her youth. She has a local boy was being followed by a dog. When he decided to cut it with his pocket knife, the boy saw the dog turn into a man, then ran home to tell his family. According to a woman, the next day, a prominent physician appeared in town with his right arm cut in the sling. I remember when a physician shot himself here in Lockport. A year later, the boy killed himself and left a letter that family turned over to the sheriff. Even today, he refuses to let anyone see it. The Ruger has been tied to the story of Durander Roadkill. A woman named Barbara Mullins discovered a supposedly undefiable carcass on the side of the road in 1996. Some have claimed it to the body of Ruguru, although others have speculated it might be a chupacabra or devil monkey. However, many people also believe it's just a dog. It's a story about. Let me see. Okay. Alrighty. Okay. Let me get. Um. Thank you. Yeah, let me say, um, thank you for, um, listening to this episode. I'll let you know where you can get a hold of me and get updated on social stuff. Yeah. I can, um, they're on Twitter. Go to Muslims P on Twitter. That's uh, Twitter. Or you can go to my personal. Twitter account at G1 Tanner. So I think that's it. Let me check. Make sure I'm right about that. Yeah, G1 Tanner. Is, um, it's fine on Twitter that way. Uh, also G1 Tanner on Instagram. You find links to um, episodes on the Facebook group 
at Muscle Podcast. Or you can look up Anchor. Uh, anchor.fm slash. Yeah. So, yeah. You can, um, find the podcast at anchor.fm slash monster legends podcast and um, they're right on your browser or you can find links to other um, listening platforms like Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podcast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Um, you can email me if you want to have a story or maybe schedule be a guest or submit um, fan art or um, I need a really damn theme song so I want to get it done I'm all some people do it um that's um monster legends podcast at gmail.com don't worry i'll call this in, in the description but um thank you once again for the um listening to this episode and sharing with your friends um follow me on all the socials and i'll Ask some questions and put polls and stuff. Let me know if you want to be guests. Please. Any guests. Everything. And recommend um, podcasts also. So let's listen to um, the podcast from the beginning of the show. So again, they were um, the Choice Show, Screaming Choice Show. Um, Believe me. What we talk about in the shadows, screaming choice show, and believe me, spirits, spirit stories, and paranormal tales. They're all on anchor, and they're all fantastic. You like this stuff, and you'll really like them. Um, how to end this? Um. Bye. Have a good weekend. You know? Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or to find more information about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on which you can describe subscribe to you also can email me all the questions that will be answered on the show thank you everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.